Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Anyways, you guys all doing okay this morning so far? Perfect. Anybody excited for next week? A couple people. Sweet. I'm excited. I'm gonna, it's going to be a good weekend. Um, hey, this week I'm finishing up, because we got a year anniversary next week, this week I'm finishing up the series we started just a few weeks ago called Core. How many of you guys got something out of this series so far? Two people. Perfect. That's great. Um, if you missed any of it, you can check it out online at coastlinensb.com, uh, or you can go to the YouTube page. And if, if you're watching right now from YouTube, uh, I want to thank you so much for all the people that are part of our uh, online church. Man, we've got dozens and dozens of people that are showing up each and every week, and they're watching uh, from home. Uh, we did a, a, a little bit of a research on it, and there's like something like 50% of the people are actually watching from outside of the country. We've got people in Canada that haven't come down for the winter yet and stuff like that, and so that's pretty cool. Uh, But if you guys are watching online, I want to thank you for tuning in. Hey, if you've not liked or subscribed to the channel yet, hit that. It'll just send you out a notification for any time we post any new content. It's a big deal. Also, if you're here in person, if you haven't liked and subscribed to the Coastline YouTube channel, I want to challenge you to do that as well. But today I'm finishing up a series we started just a few weeks ago called Core. And the tagline has been, from it has been strong from the start. We've been talking about our faith and what this means to, to be a Christian. What's, what's this religion that we are following? What are the core elements of it that we have got to make sure we have down pat, especially when it comes to us personally? Because I know and you know that anything that we build or grow on, if the foundation is secure, if the core is strong, the ability to grow and get bigger and get better uh, is, is a lot easier when that core is taken care of well. You think about like trees in the middle of a hurricane, stuff like that. The ones that you see that have snapped off the most are the ones that don't have a strong core, right? You guys ever cut into a, a palm tree before? Oh my gosh, palm trees. I hate palm trees. If you ever got a saw a palm tree in half, just, just throw gasoline on it and burn it or something. I don't know, man. It's like the worst thing. Don't do that. That's, that's not an official policy of Coastline Church. Um, but, but one of the things, if you've ever cut into it, you've seen the core of it is so fibrous and it's so strong that it can withstand the winds of those hurricanes, of those storms in life. And so we've been talking about how do we shore up, how do we strengthen these different elements of what the core of our faith should be. And so last week we talked about the idea of rest, the idea of Sabbath. You know, it's this, uh, one of the ten commandments that we're supposed to keep the Sabbath day holy. And it's probably the, it's probably the commandment that we break the most. Uh, and it was pretty great. Man, when I heard some great stories at the end of service or at the end of the day, people were texting me and said, Brian, you know, you talked about Sabbath, and my wife and I had a list of things we were supposed to do at the end of church, and we went home and took a three-hour nap, and it was awesome. I'm like, yes, that's what, that's what Sabbath's about. So uh, go to church, go get some good food at a restaurant or whatever, and then go get horizontal with the earth. It's a great idea of Sabbath. If you missed that, you can check it out online. But today... I want to take the last step. To, I want to talk about the purpose, the purpose of who we are in this, in this religion that is this Christianity, the purpose of, of what we're called to do as followers of Christ. Uh, and so uh, specifically, uh, before we jump into that, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for, for myself and pray for our church as we get into this and we finish this up, uh, and then we'll jump into it. You guys ready? 
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for all the lessons you've taught us in this series. Uh, I pray that you continue uh, to teach us as our, as our spirit just kind of chews on it as we continue to digest uh, these things. Uh, God, I pray that it would lead our minds into to conversation with you that would help continue to grow us and make us better. And I pray that even after the series, you would continue to strengthen our core and our faith and our trust in you. I thank you so much for what you've done and for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said, amen. So today, specifically, I want to talk about the purpose of Christianity. You know, when, we, uh, when I was growing up as, a, a, as, as an adolescent or as a young adult, high school, middle school, uh, the thing I knew about Christianity is Christianity, if you were a Christian, you had an ID card. Well, it wasn't a card, actually. It was a sticker. And it was this little fish symbol that you put on the back of your car. How many of you guys had that little fish symbol on the back of your car at any point? It's all right. It's no worries. I, we had one. That some people tried to come up with, like, cool designed ones that had, like, flames on them and stuff like that. But, but that's how you identified if you were a Christian back in the day. Everybody had this sticker on the back of the car. It was, it was really interesting, especially when you're, like, you're going down I-4 in the middle of, like, uh, you know, bumper-to-bumper traffic and, like, people are losing, losing. You could really tell who, what people were Christians then, right? You never, you never saw uh, churches posting, like, a Jesus picture or uh, Jesus fish and then also, like, their church name underneath of it, right? Because it was just a little too, it was a little too, uh, too, you know, you don't know what the outcome would be. I tell everyone, I was like, if you've got road rage, I love you. You can come to Coastline. But let me get you another church's sticker to put on the back of your car before you go to work each morning, okay? Let's not, let's not roll with the Coastline church sticker. So. But somehow in America, when it comes to, to being a Christian, we have started to adjust our minds. So it's, it's now it's this thing of identity, of who we are, not so much about what we do. And I'm not calling anybody out. I'm calling myself out with this. But, but I, I also know, you know, I've, I've, I've talked with I've had conversations with people. I know people in my own life that I'm, I'm truly, like, have real relationships with who they identify as Christians, but their actions do not line up with it. They identify, they, they, if someone were asking them, like, well, what, what religion are you? Or, who, you know, what, what are you, are you Buddhist? Are you atheist? Or whatever. Like, no, no, I'm a Christian. But these same people, they have, maybe haven't been to church in three, four, five years. They, they, they just got busy along the way. They don't, they don't walk through any of the action of what it means to be a Christian. You know, even that term Christian, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a funny one. It's kind of one of those things that we've started to, like, put our own definition uh, on, what, uh, on what words mean. I was actually having a conversation with uh, some young people uh, this past week, and as we see, like, a vocabulary change, uh, I keep hearing this word come up, uh, and, and you parents that are parents of teenagers, you'll know about this word, cap. Anybody know what cap means? Okay, yeah, if, if you ever hear a young person say, no cap, what that means is, is it, they're actually saying no lie. Now, I asked the person, I was like, okay, so you, used, you took the word lie, which worked that everybody understood. It's a one-syllable word with three letters in it. You exchanged it for a one-syllable word with three letters in it, but none of us know what it means, right? But cap, I'm like, I wear a cap. I wear a cap every day. I love caps. Caps are great. No cap, I like caps. But as humans, we, we adjust language and, and, and change it to, to what it suits us. And somewhere along the way, that's kind of what's happened to, to the word even Christian. Do you know that the word Christian does not show up in the Bible except for three times? There's three times in the Bible 
where, where people that follow Jesus are referred to as Christians. It, it, it's nowhere along the way does Jesus say, this is what you've got to do to be a Christian. He doesn't say, I want to make sure that you identify as a Christian. None of these terms come up. Actually, the way that the, the term Christian came up was it was a term that was used by people who were not Christians to identify who Christians were. It was, it was almost to the point where it was kind of like derogatory. See, because the people that, that were Christians, they, they wouldn't have called themselves Christians. They, even Jesus wouldn't have called them Christians. The people around them wouldn't call They would have been called disciples. Sometimes they would have been called followers of the way or the way. Me, I like to refer to them, especially as we read to them, as, as just followers. They're followers of, of Christ, and, and, and so somewhere along the way, our understanding of Christian has turned into an identity rather than, rather than a purpose and an action, which is, I think, is what Jesus tried to communicate to his followers. And so the one thing I want to try to help us understand in this message this morning is this, is when it comes to being a follower of Christ, when it comes to being a Christian, do your actions line up with your identity? Jesus, he starts to communicate pretty clearly, tries to communicate pretty clearly what does it mean and what our purpose is and what are we supposed to do as, as his followers. As he sits down on this mount to communicate and teach his disciples. As he sits down, he, he, all these people start gathering around him and they're just listening to this, this, this teacher, this, this uh, rabbi start to talk about, about what he thinks God's saying through scripture and everything else like that. And what they don't understand is as they're coming around him, they're about ready to experience the most talked about, the most exciting, the most most life-changing, world-changing sermon ever to be spoken. It was the Sermon on the Mount. And in this message that Jesus tells his disciples, tells tells his apostles, tells the the people who are gathering, gathering around him, he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives the light, where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone who who will praise your heavenly father, so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. That last part I want to read again. It says, So let your good deeds shine out for all to see. How many of you guys know that, that good deeds doesn't have anything to do with identity, right? has everything to do with action. What you do says more about you than how you identify yourself. The people around you know you for what you do and your actions more than they know for what you say you are. Actions definitely speak louder than words. I believe when it comes to our purpose as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, it has more to do with action than it does identity. The problem with this, though, is that the action is harder to do, right? To live our faith in, 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 in out loud and, and to, to do it with action is, is not an easy thing to do because as Jesus is teaching his disciples, you know, he says things like this. He says, like, love your enemies, they go, oh, that, that, sounds, that sounds great. It's a lot harder, lot harder to do, right? 
Not an easy thing to do. Uh, he says things like, give away your stuff. But, but I really like my stuff. What do you, what do you mean? That's, that's kind, of a t- it's kind of a tough thing to do. He says things like, let people borrow from you and, and don't ask for it back. He says, go the extra mile. Turn, turn the other cheek. He says things like, hey, if you, if you go to pray to God but you have some type of bitterness, you're harboring something against a brother or somebody else, stop talking to God and go talk to them about it first. That's a tough, that's a tough thing to do. He says things like, 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 don't judge one another. Unless you're at Walmart or the boat ramp, then as I, it just might be too hard to not judge people, I don't know. Living our faith as, as an action, not, not our identity, is, is not an easy thing for us to do. But he further communicates this to his disciples and, and even to us at, his, at the end of his time together with them. After he's gone to the cross and he's come back to life, he beat, he beat, he beat death and the grave. He comes back and spends a couple more days with them. And before he goes back to heaven, he says this. He says, therefore, Go. When Eric and I and, and our team started Coastline, we tried to think through like the different elements of, of how we're going to do events and how, how, what's, what's our, our kind of the core values of who we are, of what we want to do. And one of the core statements that we came up with, and one of the core elements, is this idea of go, of living what this is, what Jesus is about ready to tell him, the great commission about putting our faith into action about not being comfortable with just who we are in our identity, but to, to, to take in and what, what Jesus has taught us as we follow him and then turn around and be followers of him in how we do life, not just how we identify. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, And be sure of this, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The purpose of you being a follower of Christ is this. We're all called to go make disciples. We're called to introduce people to Jesus, to help people continue to to grow in their relationship with him. Now, some of you are already jump, jumped off the ship on this. You're like, Brian, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You, like, you don't understand. Like, I, don't, I can't go make a disciple. Like, I'm just trying to get through life on my own. I'm just trying to survive. Um, you know, I, I don't know enough of the Bible to tell anybody about Jesus or to make a disciple or invi- even to invite someone to church. Like, what are they going to think of me? There's so much fear and tension that's, like, that's brought up with this. And, and if that's you, I want to tell you, join the club. That, that's, that should be all of us. Not only, not only all of us, you've got to think of even the disciples who Jesus is talking to. Like they had the Torah, but they didn't have this, this whole books, you know, 66 books of the Bible that we have right now. They didn't know, you know, the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John or anything like that. The, what they did, how they made disciples, is they went around and told people, hey, let me tell you about what Jesus has done in me. That was it. Let, let, let me tell you about what Jesus has taught me. 
along the way. Let, let, let me tell you what, what I heard from Jesus. And, and when you think of it in that, that lens, when it comes to going to school or when it comes to, to going to work or having your grandsons and your grandkids, you don't need to have a theological degree. If you have one, great, that's awesome, better for you. But you don't need to have a theological degree to live in the purpose of what we're called to do as followers of Christ. No matter what your education is, we all have the same calling, and that is to go, to put our faith into action, to invite and disciple and show people the, the way that we follow Jesus. We have the same calling as the disciples did to live out this great commission. You know, in the, uh, the book of 2 Corinthians, it's actually a letter written to a church in Corinth. The apostle Paul tells the church this, and I think, I think it's a great reminder for us as well. He kind of tries to recenter them on this. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. But by your actions, Elizabeth, I think, said it in 1 John 3.16, right? They'll know, they'll know him by your actions, not by your identity. You know, I think of, uh, I think of this opportunity that we have and this adventure of life that we're given. It's, it's pretty short, right? It kind of reminds me a little bit, this will be a tough tie-in, but just flow with me a little bit. I'm a little, I'm a little simple-minded, but this life that we have, it's kind of like this little, kind of like this little Sharpie marker, right? You guys ever seen these before, little tiny mini ones? They're fun. I mean, whoever invented the Sharpie marker, that guy is a genius. But then also, uh, I don't know why our children are so attracted to them, because make, it makes me think he's not a genius. H have your kids ever had, gotten hold of one of these before? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, Olivia, when she was like four or five, got to hold one of these. And Olivia is an artist. She loves to draw and do everything. And she decided that our bathroom wall was going to be the, the mural or the, 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 the piece of her next artwork masterpiece. And so she took a Sharpie marker and, and drew all over it. And, uh, man, I tried magic erasers. I tried, people said, use hairspray. It didn't, it didn't work anything. Man, it, was, it was garbage. I tried goo off and everything. We finally just sold the house because it was there was no getting that off the wall. But but I think about this little this life that we begin this opportunity. It's kind of like this little magic marker, where as we continue to draw with it, as we continue to leave our mark, it's going to be permanent. It's going to have an effect. And and for us right now, it would think like man to to run this thing out of ink would take forever. But in all actuality, it really wouldn't be that hard. It, it's, it's not that much. It has a permanent, long-lasting impact. But it only has really a short time to do it. And I think our purpose is, as followers of Christ is, is to use the opportunity that God has given us, the short amount of time that we've been given, to make our mark, to turn our faith into action, and to let people see that, not, not what we say we are on Facebook or our identity or what stickers on the back of our car. 
you know, that letter for Corinth was from a guy named Paul. And Paul uh, is credited with writing most of the New Testament. He wrote a lot of it, a lot of letters to, to, to other uh, apostles and people that he was helping train up and churches that were starting along the way. But the story of, of Paul is actually one of someone conquering their fears and having to put their faith into action and not just live in the identity of being a follower of Christ. See, the, the apostle Paul, with all the great things he did, he actually did not start off that way. He started off as, as a Pharisee, as a guy named Saul. And Saul hated Christians. Saul, uh, he, he did not like Christians. He did not like followers of the way. He thought that they were wrong. He thought that they should be put to death. And we hear about him in the early, in the early church in the book of Acts. In chapter 9, verse 1 to 2, it says this. It says, meanwhile, Saul... This is the same guy that will become Paul one day. Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Eager to kill the Lord. These guys, these would be the followers of Christ. In Greek, it would actually have been talked about as disciples or what we would view today as, or what we use in our terminology as, as Christians. Saul wants to kill these people. Now, now if... If this had been happening in today's day and age, like this would be all over the news, right? Like just stick with me for a few minutes. Imagine this. What about if, if today we heard that there was someone that was an authority figure in our government or whatever in hierarchy that, that decided that they hated Christians and that they were going to find Christians and put them to death? That, that would be pretty unsettling, Right? Like, that would, that would not be cool. All of us would start to have some, some fear build up within us, right? This is, this is real-world scenario that's happening in this day. And not only that, he's, he's literally going around capturing these Christians. It said, so he went to the high priest and requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation and the arrest of any followers of the way. The way, that's the disciples, that's followers of Christ, that's Christians. It says he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. This is a guy that was no good. This is a guy that was doing very bad things. Continues on, he says, as he approached Damascus on his mission, imagine this, imagine if we didn't say Damascus right here, imagine if this was today's day and age, and he says, as he approached, as this guy Saul, who's killing Christians, who has letters from, from the, the government to be able to come do this, as he is approaching New Smyrna Beach, he starts to make it a little, a little real, a little more, a little more tension. He says, as he's doing this, as a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice from, saying, saying, from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself off of the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now this story, 
this, ten, this, this tension that's building in this guy that's doing some very terrible things that Jesus has this moment with, this story is actually, in my eyes, more about another guy, this guy named Ananias. Acts continues on in verse, chapter 9, verse 10. It says, now there were believers, followers of the way, these were disciples, followers of Christ, in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, Ananias said, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers of Jerusalem. Just, just for a minute, I, I cannot imagine having to be in Ananias' shoes right now. This, this thing, you hear stories of this man in your world killing people that are like you, and you hear God say, hey, I want you to go and find this man. It, of course there would be fear, right? Like I, I like my life. I don't want to lose my I don't want to go into chains. I don't want to be put into prison. I don't want to be put to death by this guy. It would be really easy for Ananias to let fear to come in and adjust him and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm, I mean, I'm a... I'm a follower of you. I, I'll, I'll do what you tell, what I've heard you do. Like I'm, I'll, I'll identify as a member of, of the way. But I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could do that. It'd be easy to let fear come in. For many of us, that's that's what happens when it comes to us living out the purpose of our faith. When it comes to us in, in inviting someone to church or, or talking to someone about what Jesus has been doing in, in our lives or, or to say, hey, is there, is there something I can pray with you about? Is there, is there a way that I can share this, this love and in, 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 in what God has done? Can I, can I put my faith into action and live out my purpose? When it comes to that point, there's opportunity for fear to come in and stop us. That, can I be honest with you? That's many times happened to even me. Where, where the opportunity to come, to, to, to put my faith in action and to live out my purpose as a follower of Christ, and I've stopped because I'm afraid of what is this person going to say? What, what is this person going to think of me? A, am, I, am I smart enough to have the right words? Do I have the, the theological foundation to be able to explain to them? All these fears come in. But part of our, our relationship with Jesus, part of us living out our faith and putting it in action is to say, you know what, when it comes to fear, we're going to put that aside because I'm not, I'm not going to live in fear. I am going to live in my faith. I'm not going to let fear adjust my actions. I will allow my faith to adjust my actions. And that's exactly what happened. Verse 15, it says, but the Lord said, Go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. I, I just noticed that God, God says to Ananias the same thing Jesus said to his disciples. Go. Put it into action. 
take, take, take the step. Don't, don't be afraid. Just, just go. Just do it. God says, I will, find, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hand on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road. Can I stop right there for a second? Ananias says, Brother Saul. He says, Brother Saul, but he understands what Saul has been doing. He understands what Saul has been doing to, to the church, what Saul's been doing to his, his, the, his, the fellow followers of Jesus Christ. And he still refers to him as, as brother. Can you imagine how much pride and self-control must have been swallowed in that? Man, we live in a world right now where there's like, man, you talk about cancer culture growing rampant. I mean, I would bet, right, like I ain't going to call anybody out or whatever, but like, I would bet average of us in this room have probably unfriended somebody on Facebook at least five times in the past month. Some people are just unfriended. Eric, I'm going to call you out, but she just deleted Facebook altogether. She's like, I'm done. I'm out. Me, I just stick to posting pictures of fish, my kids, and my wife on date night. That's it. That's the safe zone. But literally, this guy, he says, brother, brother Saul. Some of you, I think today, part of how you need to put your faith into action is, is maybe through a step of forgiveness and a step of acceptance. A step, maybe, maybe it's a step over something that has happened that has offended you or that has hurt, that has hurt you. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food, and he regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Later on, Paul, or Saul, would stop being called Saul, and he would be referred to as Paul. And he would go on to plant many, many churches and write many, many books of the New Testament. But today, to not focus on Saul, who would be Paul, but to focus on Ananias. I want to challenge you with this. Sometimes you don't know what you stepping into faith and putting your faith into action, stepping away from fear. You, you living out and being the purpose of of being a follower of Christ, of making disciples, of taking the next step of sharing your faith. You don't know what will happen down the way. Ananias, he didn't think, you know what, Paul is going to go and write most of the New Testament. Paul is going to go plant all these churches. The only, thing, the only decision that he had to make was, will I put my faith over my fear? And will I allow that to be my action not my identity. As he took that step, the world was forever changed. He allowed the short opportunity that he had to make his mark, and it made all the difference. As I look at this morning, I, I think of people in my own life that have had that same effect. There's a pastor of a church in Lakeland right now, 
His name is Mike Spivey. And when I was in high school, I was going through a tough time, and I didn't know. Man, t- high school is tough for any high school. I'm going to tell you, right, if you got, first off, if you're a high schooler, I'm praying for you. Know that. Secondly, if you're a parent of a high schooler, you better believe I'm definitely praying for you because that's not an easy time in life. But in a time in life where I was searching for something, I didn't know. There was a man that came in, and he didn't talk to me about theology. He didn't, he didn't open up a bunch of scripture and say, hey, this is, let me tell you this and this and this. He just started to share with me about what God had done in his life and in his family. And he started to love on me and share the love of God with me. And because of that, that short amount of time that we had together changed my life forever. For Erica, if it hadn't been for a friend in school, I said, once they were in college, I said, hey, why don't, why don't you come to church with me? That, that person wasn't, wasn't a pastor. They, didn't, he, they, they weren't a, a bishop or a deacon or anything else like that. They weren't on the servant. They just said, hey, why don't you just come to church? If it hadn't been for that person taking a step into faith and not fear and inviting, she might not be here today. Coastline might not be here today. Today, as we, we talk about purpose, I, w- I want to challenge you with this. I believe that all of us have been given a- an opportunity to make a mark, to make, to make change happen, to, to do something in this world that makes, makes a difference. But only you can be the person that will face the fears and we'll remove the cap and we'll start writing. I, I want to challenge you to do that, Coastline. Because I know that if, it, if it's just for a four, few short months of a guy taking the opportunity to make a mark in my life, a, a, a few short minutes of someone taking an opportunity to, to make a mark in Erica's life, I, I know those things change change the world forever and for the better. But none of that would happen if if they kept the cap on the pen and said, well, I I have it, and I'm here, and and I identify as this. I identify as a a follower of Christ. You, You have the power and ability to change the world that we live in. I know we look at news and media and stuff like that, and we think, man, influencers and, and politicians and all these other, other people that we follow, they're going to be the ones to change, change the world we live in. They won't change it near as much as Jesus can if you allow him to change it through you. And it's, it's something to be afraid of. There's a reason that in every service we say the best is yet to come because I believe that as we continue to have faith and put it into action and step away from fear, that's exactly what's going to happen through Jesus Christ. Amen. So let every head bow, every eye close, no one looking around. If you're here today and you're far from Christ, you say, Brian, I don't even know if I'm, 
if I would identify myself as a Christian or if I would say I'm a follower. I want to challenge you today and let you know that I've been where you are. And I felt that tension and pain and frustration in life and trying to search and figure out what the heck is going on and how I can find some sort of peace and purpose. I never found it until I found Jesus. My life has not been perfect. But it has been right and good and I am blessed. It has not been easy but I found happiness and peace in him and it's the best thing I've ever felt. And so if you're far from Christ and today you want to take a step towards him, I want to challenge you to do so. It doesn't have to be this big extravagant thing where you come down to the front and I pray with you and we say a special prayer. All it has to be is for you to say, to, even to yourself, Jesus, come in. I want to start a relationship with you. The second person here today is if you're here and you would identify yourself with having that ability to make a mark. You've, been, you've called yourself a Christian, but maybe you have not put your faith into action. I want to challenge you to let today be the day that that changes. Today is the day where you take the cap off and make your mark on the world that God has put you in. During this song that we're going to sing, I want to challenge you to surrender your fear to God and live in the action of your faith. I think if we do that, the best will still be yet to come. Amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.